Welcome, coaches. You are tuned in to Keep Your Pads Down, the podcast for all things defensive line play. And today, we are coming to you from Port St. Joe, Florida. Beautiful Port St. Joe, Florida, I might add, where I spent the week of Memorial Day with my family and where I recorded today's episode, episode number 62. And because we are coming to you from the beach, that can only mean one thing. That's right. This episode is our first edition of the Summer KYPD Beach Sessions, where we bring you an episode from a closet in a condo somewhere along the coast of, well, I guess in this case of this summer, it'll be Florida or Alabama. So like I said, today's episode comes from Port St. Joe, Florida, Cape Sandblast to be specific. Anyway, thank you for checking us out today, wherever you are, whether it's at the beach, at home, or on the way to work, or at the gym, wherever you are, glad you're tuning in. Man, it is... um, it's been a heavy week, and I know that putting it like that is is an extreme understatement. And I had, you know, I had this whole thing planned out where, you know, for this slot, I was going to attempt to to be funny and, and do a beach theme segment of after further review, which is you know a segment that we will do on here from time to time. But um, honestly, I just I just I just didn't feel up to it, and and I didn't think that this was the time. Um, so so I'll sh- shelve that until until later on in the summer, but. Yeah, I don't want to take up a whole lot of time, um, but but I, I I will I will be brief here. But I do want to say this. I've loved seeing the measured, well articulated, and wise responses from our coaching community in response to the the tragedy and travesty involving the wrongful death of George Floyd earlier this week, and and, and all the aftermath that's that has ensued. There is understandably been a lot of anger this week, exasperation, horror frustration and deep sadness all of which is is totally justified and and I appreciate what I've seen out of the coaching community for the most part uh, as you guys have expressed yourself in eloquent and constructive ways that have convicted me of some things uh, some of which uh, I'll share now I haven't said a whole lot this week on social media in response to the death of George Floyd except for some retweets of statements that I especially appreciate it, but I do have this platform here, and, and as small and insignificant as it is, I do feel a responsibility to use this platform, not just as a diversion from the things going on around us, but as part of the solution to to, to mitigating this problem of prejudice, racism, and, and the inability to see other people as people just like us. And, and so, I, you know, I don't know if this show can be just a diversion from the issues going on in our society when, when those issues have been thrust to the forefront of, of all of our minds like they have been uh, this past week. You know, I'll be, I'll be honest. Um, I, I have lived most of my life either oblivious, apathetic to, or even in some cases in denial of the injustices heaped on others because of the color of their skin. And in doing that, I realize that, that I have been part of the problem. And, and for that, I'm sorry. I, I want to apologize for that. I want to do a better job as a coach, as, as a father, as, as a citizen of this country of actively and intentionally putting an end to all hatred and prejudice towards another person because of their skin color, their, their religion, or socioeconomic status. And, and look, I don't know how to do that other than start with those closest to me who besides my own family is my players Uh, it's the students I encounter at school it's the teachers and staff that I work with every day that's where I think I I I start you know if you've ever been a part of a cleanup effort after maybe you know a tornado or a hurricane or or some other type of of major disaster you know you arrive at the site and survey the damage the task you know in front of you can seem overwhelming I mean daunting and, and and so daunting, in fact, that you're tempted to get back in your truck and, and, and drive away and just hope someone else will take care of it. Um, sometimes you just stand there and, and you're just in shock at all of the damage, all of the destruction, and wonder, what could you possibly do to help improve that situation? But if you do stay and help, you know the way you begin is by starting where you're standing. And you start picking up one piece at a time. You know, one piece of debris at a time, and, and over time you begin making some headway. And the person next to you starts making progress from where they are. And the progress multiplies and it grows and it grows. And before you know it, amazing things are accomplished. And I think our guest from a couple episodes back, Tim Kite, would call that owning your 20 square feet. You know, taking charge of the area around you. Start there. Because the problem of racism and prejudice is, you know, that's as old as human history. And, and man, when I look back 
at it in its entirety, it's, a, it's an overwhelming problem. And I think about where we are today as a country, it's overwhelming. And, and if we aren't careful, it's so overwhelming that, that we can be scared and, and, and just stick our heads in the sand and, and, and retreat back to our own little worlds and just accept that, you know, that's just the way that it is. That's just how people are, and there's no sense in trying to do anything about it. But I guess what I'm trying to say, that what I'm pledging to do, and I guess what I would challenge you to do is start. Just start. Start with the 20 square feet around you. Because ultimately, you are responsible for what that looks like. Not your parents, not the cops, not the president, not the media. You are responsible for your 20 square feet. I'm responsible for mine. I'm going to start there. Let's, Let's start there. And, and I'm asking for forgiveness from you, uh, for grace and, and, and patience, as I pledge to do a better job of weeding out any prejudice that may exist, however subtle, in my own 20 square feet. We don't, we don't have to fix the whole world. Let's, let's examine ourselves and elevate the love and the compassion and the empathy within our own 20 square feet and watch what happens when we all do that. And there's really no great way to segue from that into our episode today, but let's go ahead and do that now. Let's change the subject to something a little more uplifting. We really do have an interesting guest on the show today, and I'm so excited for you to hear his story and the things that he has to say. Today we're talking with a former NFL defensive end and Ryan Dallaire. I was actually put in touch with Ryan through my dad, who knows Ryan through work. Uh, Ryan and I talked on the phone uh, some before we did this interview, and I did some reading up on him beforehand and, and knew that his story would be of interest to you guys because you know, it's a story that involves a lot of ups and downs from a guy who was you know, always a long shot, a guy who, who went from almost never playing football at all to being a part of a run to the Super Bowl. So, so I am thrilled for you to get to hear Ryan's story today. But first, let me tell you a little more about him. Ryan is from Hartford, Connecticut, and attended Windsor High School, where he starred in basketball, helping his team win a state championship as a junior. Uh, he also ran track and played football. Now, the interesting thing is that he didn't begin playing football until his senior year and knew very little about the game at all when he started playing. However, he, w- he was good enough to earn a scholarship to the University of Massachusetts, where he starred for two seasons, before transferring to Towson University, where he helped the Tigers to an appearance in the FCS National Championship game against North Dakota. That season, Ryan amassed 68 tackles. He had 17 and a half tackles for loss, 11 and a half sacks, three pass breakups, two forced fumbles, and four fumble recoveries. His efforts earned him first-team all-conference accolades and a spot on the College Sports Madness third team, All-American and Beyond Sports Network third team, All-American honors. After college, Ryan was signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as an undrafted free agent in 2015 before being released by the Bucs and picked up by the Washington Redskins that same season. Later that season, uh, in September, the Carolina Panthers signed Ryan off of the Redskins practice squad, and in his first career game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Ryan recorded five tackles and two sacks off of Bucks QB Jameis Winston. That season turned out to be the best in franchise history for the Panthers as they rolled all the way to Super Bowl 50, where they were ultimately beaten by the Denver Broncos, led by Hall of Fame quarterback Peyton Manning. After two seasons with Carolina, Ryan spent time with both the Indianapolis Colts and the San Francisco 49ers before retiring in May of 2019. So whether you are a football coach or not, Ryan's story and the way he has handled the adversity in his life, which he's going to get into today, is one that we can all benefit from. So lean in close and enjoy my conversation with Ryan Dallaire on episode number 62 of KYPD, The Beach Sessions. It is an honor to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for stopping by and talking with us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. This is definitely one of the more uh, unique episodes that, that we've done here. And you have a great story, a really compelling story that I, I want to get into uh, today. So let's let's just start with, um, let's begin with you telling us a little bit about your life growing up. Okay, yeah. So I was, you know, originally, how should I put it? I, originally, I was a basketball player. Um, I've been playing basketball literally my whole life. And then um, I think it was my senior year, I had a 
had a coach telling me like, hey, you should try to play football. You have the size. And it was like coming up on my senior year and I never got any like scholarships for basketball. Like I barely had, you know, anybody, any kind of scouts coming to practices. You know, I never really had anybody come. And then um, what ended up happening, I tried to play my senior year. Um, I was a late bloomer, barely really understood the game. I never really watched football. But um, I just really worked hard, tried to put a lot of time into, you know, my craft and everything like that. Um, got the opportunity to get a scholarship to the School of um, University of Massachusetts. And then I went there, you know, I was so late on everything as far as, like, understanding the game, understanding my position. So, like, I used to put so much time into my craft, um, I would say, like, every, I would see everybody, you know, go to practice. After practice, just, you know, shower, change, you know. Yeah. And get, you know, you just get ready for the next day. But I would always stay after practice, like, an extra 30 minutes. Um, and it was just, like, working on bending the edge. Because I'm at the end, you know. So yeah. I, always just, I always just worked on, you know, bending the edge you know, hand, like hand, um, movements, double swipe clubs. I, I was just always working that. I'm after practice for about 30 minutes. Um, and then it started to come out to fruition. Like it all just started to come in together. Yeah. Um, literally. And then I literally, like once I started playing, you know, started getting a lot of QB hits, and this was like my red shirt sophomore year. You know, my film was starting to speak, you know, volumes. Ended up, I mean, the next year I was doing really good too, but I had a coaching change that messed up a lot of different things, um, caused me to end up end up transferring. But, yeah, it, it, it was a tough situation. But um, Terrence for the Towson made it out, um, made it out to the league, and it was great. Um, it was huge. Well, I want to talk about all that, but first I want to back up and, and just go back to you, know, you being a kid coming through, uh, coming through high school and, and being a standout in basketball. Uh, I think you won a, you won a, a, high, a state championship there in high school uh, in basketball. Is that right? Yeah. So we yeah we won a state championship. Um, it was my my no the junior year, and we had a lot of good players. My coach is really good. He was so hard on us. Um, that's what that's where the discipline came in. Well, so I, I'm curious: is you started looking around, you know, after your junior year, and you realize you're not really being recruited heavily in basketball. You look over there at the football field. Was there a coach or a, a friend or somebody who said, "Hey, man, why don't you give this football thing a try?" Who who was it that that you would credit introducing you to the game of football? So I had an older relative. Um, his name was Andre Delaire. He actually played football for Fordham University, and he was always trying to tell me to play, like, all the time. Then I had, you know, my track coach trying to tell me to play. Um, who else did I have after that? Had my track coach, had my <laughs> track coach, then the football coach was coming by a lot and trying to tell me to play and everything like that. And the thing about it is, like, my basketball coach always made it seem like you know, like playing, playing football causes injuries, yeah. you know, shortens. They, yeah. They just, you know, had a bad taste on it. So that's why I never really gave it any time. But then once I gave it time, it was, it just, it just all came together. Well, what, what was it about football that drew you to that sport? What really drew me to it? Um, how should I say this? You can just let it all out. Yeah. You can let all your all your anger out, you know. Yeah. Like all all that tense, you know, tense anger that may be built in you, whatever it may be, like family situation, whether it being like, um, I don't know, you just had a bad day, you can just let it all out on the field. Yeah, you know, no doubt. You feel good after. No doubt. 
So your, your first day of football practice, you walk out there, you're a senior in high school, you've never played this sport in your life. How did you even know like what position group to go with? Or did you have an idea, hey, I think I'm a defensive end? Or did you just kind of go out there and, they, and just go where, where the coaches told you to go? So initially, to be honest with you, I was a safety. Um, it's surprising because I'm like, like 6'4". Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was, I, was, I was literally a safety at first. And then what ended up happening, um, I, le- I knew a little bit about the game, um, not as much, not close to what was needed, but I knew a little bit about the game. Um, I didn't know coverages at all. <laughs> I had no idea what, like, cover one, cover two, I had no idea what that was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, <clears throat> they just told me, cover this side, cover that side come downhill, read run pass. And I was all right with it. But to be completely honest with you, um, I had a coach that basically, you know, he just moved me down to the line, you know. And then once he told me to do that, it just kind of started coming together, you know, yeah. like just, just trying to work to get around somebody, get around the tackle. It was so much easier, way easier. So you start having some success, obviously, your senior year because you get some attention. Uh, what was your recruitment like? Uh, you know, you, you end up signing with UMass and, and transfer to Towson. But what was your what was your recruiting like that 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 senior year? So I'll be completely honest with you. Compared to you know a lot of people that I play with in the league, wasn't even close to you know to where they were at. You know, yeah. I, I literally just had one school. I mean, I had another school called Central Connecticut State University, but in all honesty, Connecticut is a small state. You know, like nobody really expects an athlete, like a football player, to come out of, you know, Connecticut. You yeah. know, the biggest players that we've had was, you know, I'm not sure, well, you probably know of them, obviously, but Aaron Hernandez. We had Dwight Freeney. We had another player named Chris Baker. <clears throat> we had um, Terrence Knighton. Um, we had a couple players, but not many. So, like, when I was coming out, you know, I only had, like, one or two schools, you know. So I wasn't disappointed by it. I was just happy that I got an opportunity, right. to be honest. Right. So as you get into – you get to you get to college, you, you're there at UMass, you're playing football. You know, with that little, um, I guess, reservoir of knowledge of just about the game and how everything works, what were some things you kind of had to learn on the fly as a college football player after only having one year of high school football under your belt? So when I first got there, I was a 4-3 linebacker, so I was lost. Like, I mean, I thought I was going to pass rush, all this other kind of stuff, but then when I was, like, in the box, yeah, I had, I had no idea what was going on. Um <laughs> I had, I had no clue. And then um, finally, they, they ended up moving my position towards the end of camp, which was really good, so I could just focus on pass rushing. And that was that was much better. Because um, when you're a D lineman, to be honest, like, I, well, all you really need to know is, you know, I, for me, for me in that position when I was in college, was literally just getting around the quarter. I mean, getting around the tackle. That was like my main focus: reading, reading the tackle, understanding, starting to understand formations towards the end of my career. But in the beginning, that's all I was, you know, focused on. So it made it a lot easier for me. Yeah, yeah. So you transferred to Towson up there in Maryland, and you actually got to play for a national championship. Uh, I believe it was against North Dakota State. Talk about that experience. So that was crazy. Um, that whole year was crazy, to be honest with you. Um, that was like a breakout year for me and the team, period. You know, the team, we had like one of the best defenses in the nation that year. Our offense was really good. We had a running back that was really good that year. Um, he ended up getting drafted third round. Um, a couple other players got picked up and they were undrafted. That was my junior year, but that championship game, I mean, kind of sucked because we lost. Kind of got blown out by North Dakota State. But um, it was a great experience. Got to play against some, you know, tip-top competition. You know, got to lay it all out on the field. And it was it was great. You yeah. know, it was, it was a once-in-a-lifetime. Once 
Well, I don't think there's any shame in getting blown out by North Dakota State. They've made a lot of teams, a lot of really good teams look bad. I mean, they're, they're, a, they're a machine for sure uh, on that FCS level. So when did you first realize, when you're in college, when did you first realize that you might be good enough to play professionally? So my it was my second year at UMass. You know, I actually had a couple players, you know, they were telling me like, yo, man, you could really take it to that next level. You know, and they were telling me that, but I didn't really care about what they were, you know, I didn't really care because, to be honest with you, uh, my my family, you know, um, my family's Caribbean. Um, they they take education very, very serious. Um, so I, I never really, like, going to the league, I always thought if it happens, it happens. My main goal was to graduate, you know, get a good degree and, if it happens, it happens, you know? Yeah. But um, what ended up happening, you know, I was just, it was my second year. I was, <laughs> I was killing it on scout team. Like making the starters look so crazy. It was, um, I was really unstoppable that year. Um, and then like I had a lot of, like some of the older veterans in college was just telling me like, yo, man, you could really, you know, you could really make it. You know, if you keep doing the same thing that you're doing, you can really make it to the next level. And then um, it was my junior year in college when I was at Towson when, like, you know, I had a couple of teammates that kept saying, man, like, I know you, you know, you focus on getting a degree and everything like that, but I think you could really make it, man. Yeah. Like, you know, you really, you're, you're starting to really make a lot of noise. So what was that? Pro- did you did you hire an agent? Did you did you were you in ta- were you talking with some with some teams? I mean, how, how did that? What was the next step there? So, I mean, you're a coach, so I just I'll just put this you know let you know about how the process is. So typically after your, after your junior, year, you know, you start getting like all these Facebook messages from different people. Um, obviously, they're agents. So they start reaching out to you here and there. Sometimes you start getting, you know, phone calls here and there. Hey, how you doing? It's it's such and such with this agency. You know, I just wanted to know how you're doing and everything like that. Um, I know you haven't selected an agent yet, but I just wanted to introduce myself. It's basically just people like trying to, you know, introduce themselves and try to, you know, get you onto their agency and everything like that. But that happened after my junior year like leading into the, you know, into the, the senior year. So it was like during the summer. Describe to us what, what life is like, you know, as a rookie undrafted free agent trying to make a football team. You you know, you sign on with Tampa. Uh, I know you weren't there very long, but just kind of walk us through that process and what that was like for you. So for me, per se, like, I mean, Tampa was probably, it, it was one of the toughest experiences um humbling experiences and you know i i grew a whole lot from that just because of the fact that you know when you are undrafted free agent you get you get the scraps yeah. when i when i say the scraps i mean first of all you're not going to get as much play time period you're just not you're not going to get as many reps <clears throat> in practice and you know, you can show what you can do here and there, but at the end of the day, they got drafted guys ahead of you. Sometimes they got people that they just paid ahead of you. So, you know, you, you never really, and it sucks for me because I was never really able to learn. Um, and that's the other thing. Like, you can always get all this, you know, the playbook education, everything like that, but if you don't actually perform on the field, you're not really going to just keep that muscle memory you know, to just know your assignments and everything like that. And actually just to, you know, everything that you're learning on a professional level as far as, like, skills, you know, different things that you learn coming from, like, college to the league, like, they they do things a little bit differently Um, as far as, like, the way you may pass rush, the way you may play the run. um, it's, 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 It's a little bit more polished as far as the skill set. So when you're not able to really practice that as much, it kind of hinders you in a way, you know? So like 
that always was tough for me. I, I, I had to practice after practice. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I had no choice because it was just, it was just so limited, you know. When was your first moment that you realized, you know, kind of your first welcome to the NFL? I'm a, I'm a professional football player. Uh, when, when was that first moment that you experienced that reality? I want. I think it was like my first pass rush drill. Um, it just was so difficult. I was just like, man. Like I was like, why am I not getting past this person on one on ones? Yeah. You know, like I, I was just thinking to myself, like it was so easy. You know, in in college, but like, how come I'm not getting past this person? You know, and it was just like everybody was so technically sound. And this was the other thing. This was a wake up call. I mean, this may seem small to some people, but like, you know, offensive tackles, they all have um, knee braces, right? Mm-hmm. When you get to the league, no offensive lineman has knee braces. So everybody just looked freakishly athletic. Yeah. You know, like most of the time, offensive linemen, they seem stiff. They got knee braces, this, that, and the third. Nobody has knee braces. Yeah. yeah. You know, everybody is, you know, pretty much moving. Yeah. So in 2015, that was your first year in the league. You end up landing on with, with Carolina and had a really uh, special season there. Got to be a part of some big-time things there. Talk about that season. Yeah, so that season was crazy, man. Um, we had a really good year. You know, we ended up going to the Super Bowl. My very first game there, I had two sacks. I really had three, but they only counted two. Um this year, like that, that was a remarkable year. My coach was, was on point. I'll be honest with you. Ever since I had that game, I had so much pressure on me. Um, as far as like to to get sacks and everything like that, and it was it was truly a, a learning experience. Um, it made me better, but that experience within itself, as far as playing on a tip top team and and all of that, that was huge. That was that was really huge. Yeah, and so let's back up a little bit because you talked about your, you know, your first game ever. You know, you want to talk about, uh, you know, first game jitters and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you have you had two, should have been three sacks against Jameis Winston in, in Tampa Bay. Um, so, what was that moment like? And and then back up. How did you get to that 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 spot in the first place to go from practice player to active roster to now? getting three sacks yeah so that I'll, I'll tell you so like after leaving tampa you know i was there for preseason got cut went to washington i was there for like three weeks on peace squad and then carolina called me and they activated me so initially when i first got there you know i, I was just on the 53 you know they played yeah. 46 on yeah. game day you know they have like seven inactives um the the thing about it was that when I came in that practice week, I was just going off. Um, I had a, just really good practices. Um, was unstoppable. You know, I kept I I was just showing them every time. You know, I just was not letting up like one bit within practice. And then you know the crazy thing is about it, there was a guy ahead of me, and they cut him. I, like that same Friday, and they activated me. Wow. Yeah, so it's, it's cutthroat, but like they cut him, and then they activated me. The GM asked me, he was just like, "Yeah, man, are you are you ready to play?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm good." And you know, and then they activated me. You know, I was nervous that game because I was literally, you know, I was on Tampa that same year. Yeah. And then, um, you know, early on in the game, I was doing all right. You know, I was doing pretty good. And, you know, early on, like first and second quarter, just warming up, you know. And then all of a sudden, third quarter, I guess it was just passing it a whole lot. So I just, I remember my first sack, I did a, like I, I had a tight end in front of me, and then I had a, I was to the tight end side with the tackle, came in, it was a pass, did a spin move inside, got the sack. Right, that was one, and then um, the next one, I think I was on the right side, did a double swipe, bend around the edge, 
and got another sack. And then from there, I just kept, I just got so many QB hits, QB hurries. I just, I just was just trying to put everything in there, you know, and it was just crazy. It was just coming to me like it was college, you know? Yeah. How did your teammates and coaches react to, to that game, to that performance? It was, it, yeah, they was just surprised, you know, and they was just really, really surprised. It was just excited. You know, I ended up getting the game ball. That was huge. Um, but, yeah, you know, I was thankful for it. The one thing I would say is, you know, I kind of wish, kind of felt like I was a one-trick pony at the time, which kind of sucked because, you know, like, you know, all the teams watch film. Everybody sees what you can do and everything like that. And I just use that same pass rush move, you know, sometimes like throughout a good a good portion of that year. Towards the end, I started learning other stuff too, and then I got a lot better. But, you know, it was just a lot of pressure. You yeah. know, it was a lot yeah. of pressure. Yeah. I'm curious, what was your what was your go-to pass rush move at the time? So at the time, I was mainly like a double swipe guy. Um, that was like my main move. I would just do the double swipe. Um, I'll probably do a spin move inside. And that was it. The only thing that was terrible is that I never used power. Yeah. You yeah. know, and then once I say, you know, like that's a lot of people get sacks off using power. Right. Full rush, yeah, exactly. Long arm, all of that. So. When you talk about, you know, uh, when you talk about rushing the passer in the NFL and how everything's just so, so much more, I think you said the word to use was polished. Did, did, did your D-line coach, did he pretty much give you free reign to rush the passer all the time? Or was it, uh, hey, we got to play the run too? Or, or how did that work? So you play the, you play pass to run. Yeah. yeah. So what I mean that by that is, like, you literally come off the ball every time, like, it's pass. Yeah. You know, so when it's like when the tackle's going to come at you for run, you're already holding them up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like you're really coming off the ball every time, like just just trying to like rush your passer in a way. Yes. Um, but, yeah. But obviously you're going to check like the down and distance and everything like that. But, right. you know, you're just going to come off the ball really hard every time. I'm telling you, Ryan, as you said that, there are a lot of coaches listening to this who are shaking their head because that is the the philosophy of a lot of coaches, myself included, is that we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna stop the run on the way to rushing the passer. And if you have that, well, yeah, that, yeah, 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 if you have that mentality of because um, we talked about it in last week's episode with with another with a coach we had on here that you know you got to have that gun ready and locked and loaded. So when that opportunity comes, you're ready to fire it. And and uh, if we have if we're coming off the ball with a pass rush mentality, then we're going to be getting off the ball hard and getting in that guy's grill right now. And then, like you said, once we feel him coming at us, now we can throttle down and play the run. Obviously, taking into account down and distance and everything. But I think that's the right mentality to have for sure. Yeah, like like my coach would initially say run to pass, but he just literally says come off the ball like it's pass every time. Yeah, you know. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so take us in that kind of behind the scenes, just that season with the Panthers. I mean, that was just an unbelievable season. Um, I think you guys ran off a 10-0 record before maybe losing a game. I don't really remember exactly. You can tell me if I'm wrong there. But, uh, you know, culminating with, with a loss to the Broncos led by Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl, just give us some some maybe behind-the-scenes stuff about what that season was like. So with that season, like, I mean <sighs> – I mean, we had, well, we had Josh Norman, you know, Cam, obviously, Thomas Davis, Luke, um, the DNs, like the D-line period was just on fire. I would say, like, the D-line was very, very polished that year as far as, like, you know, getting to the quarterback and everything like that. We used to do a lot of drill work, a lot of drill work um, on game day. And on like during practice, you know, it was just all about you know, like pass rush, playing the run, everything like that, you know. And the thing a lot of people don't realize is teams that have the best D line always get the farthest. Yeah. Period. Like like it, it just 
like I mean, you saw what, what happened with San Fran last year. Yeah. You know, they had their D line was on fire, and then they literally got to the Super Bowl. You know, like yeah. You know, that's just a tone. You mentioned two guys that that have you know everybody's going to know in Josh Norman and, and Cam Newton, uh, both guys with, with big personalities. Uh, I'm just curious, what's it like being a teammate to those guys? Well, Jay No got a lot of per- personality. You know, he always, I'll be honest, like he he get me fired up just because he talk a lot of you know ish, yeah. like during the games, during practice. Like he 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 got a lot of fire in him. You know, he look like he always gonna he's gonna he's gonna put everything out there. Yeah, I'll put it like that. Like literally everything out there. Cam, same way. People always try to criticize him. You know, for how he dresses. You know, he has a lot of personality here and there. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, they lay it all out. Like Jay, no, he used to you know work out flex Friday. You know, that was always optional, but he was always in there. He would always stay 30 minutes after practice working on drops and everything like that, dropping the coverage, you know, everything like that. Cam used to do the same thing for camp. Like he would do like extra work after practice. He used to, what he used to do on Flex Friday, he would be in there getting it too. Like he's like, they just put a lot of time in, you know, like <clears throat> just a lot of time in. And you want to be around players like that. Like if you know your, you know your teammates is putting in that extra time, like you have you have no choice. Yeah. You know, yeah. like if, if you're not putting in extra time, you, you might as well not be on the team. You know. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's you know you kind of hit on it there that you know a lot of what the media and just us as fans we get we we kind of latch on to the you know the flair or the, the trash talk and the personality that that we see these guys you know, portray, but what we don't see is all the work that goes behind that and really the work that fuels that, you know. Um, I'm sure it's that work ethic. That's that's what allows a player like Josh Norman to, to feel like he's earned the right to talk trash because he has put in so much extra work and and, and so much uh, dedication to his craft that he, that he, that, that confidence that he has is justified. Yeah, you can you can talk as much you know trash as you want. If you if you putting in that work day in and day out, and you, you know you're proving it on the field, like like you're literally proving it. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you, hey, I can't say nothing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just just curious, did you ever uh, did you ever seek out some fashion advice from Cam? <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, I haven't. I'll be honest. Nah. Yeah, yeah, that's not your style. Nah, that's him. <laughs> <laughs> well, so from that that season, you dealt with more adversity, and that's kind of been the theme already, just in your your short football career. Even I mean, but you dealt with some more adversity with injuries and being released. So just talk about your career after that that season with the Panthers. So after that season, I would say my sophomore season. You know, I was. You know, I was doing pretty good in camp. Everything was coming together and everything like that. Um, I had, you know, one injury, like, in camp, and it was kind of tough. I had a, how should I say it, it was an MCL sprain. And um, I actually, I played in that game even after I sprained it just because I was like, man, I got to make this team, you know. Yeah. And um what ended up happening, kept playing, kept playing. And then what ended up happening I tore my meniscus, didn't really realize it, and that was early on in the year. And then, um, you know, I was still recovering from that. My knee was still swelling, you know, and it was so hard to just, you know, watch everybody play and and everything like that. You yeah. know, it was just so hard watching everybody play and you just want to play. And then ended up recovering, but I wasn't fully recovered. My knee was still swelling. And then I um I came back, played in six games, I got one sack, had another game, had a whole bunch of quarterback hurries with um it was against the Seahawks. I had a really good game that game too. But I think it was it was like I think my seventh game back ended up tearing my ACL against the Redskins. And um I'll be honest, that was like detrimental to my career. I just I try to come back 
the the following year after that, um, I was in, you know, I was in camp. We got invited to, you know, came back for camp and everything. Then I ended up getting uh, cut just because of, you know, the injury. I was only like five months out of the injury. Then I was just like basically just rehabbing my knee the whole entire year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the whole entire year. I had to take out for a whole year. It sucked. It was it was tough. Um Yeah, that that situation was very, very tough. Just just rehab the whole year. Um then when I was trying to come back, my knee was still bothering me. Um, so yeah, still bothering me, but like what ended up happening after that, I came back, I tried out with Indianapolis, um, during camp, you know, in camp I was going off. I had a, I was on fire. And then um had a preseason. I was in preseason with them, had like two sacks in three games because they picked me up late. And um outperformed a lot of people, but they still ended up releasing me which was crazy. They cut me on like once after I made the roster after final cuts. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that situation was tough. Um, I just, I just, I never expected it. Um, nobody expected it because I, I performed on a high level. Yeah. And then, um, ended up getting scooped up by 49ers. And ended up staying on the private squad for about the whole year. Was active about two games, and then that you know that kind of was it. I want to I want to go back uh, before I ask you this this next question. I want to go back and, and just talk about you know being cut. You know, for a lot of us, we watch you know hard knocks uh, every year. We see those conversations where the you know the guy tells the players to bring you know go see the head coach and bring their playbook and it's really is a tough that's a tough thing to watch i can't imagine that actually you know you know being in that room and having that happen to you so just describe the emotions and the, the things that are going through your head you know when you when you're when you get cut by an organization so to be real i never i'll never forget the situation right so i was getting rehab on my knee in like the first day of camp, I got cut the first day of camp when I was with Carolina. The first day when I came back, um, I was rehabbing my knee. You know, the operations guy came down. He was just like, hey, what's up, Ryan? Um, the head coach just wants to see you really quick. So I went up there. He said, Ryan, we're going to have to release you. Um, and like, you know, it's, they said that, you know, you still have some swelling in your knee and we just, you know, we just need this roster spot, yada, yada, yada. And um, basically, you know, from there, I basically had to sign the documents of my release. And then I had to, what did I do? I had to go to the trainers, you know, get the workers' comp information signed and all of that. And then from there, I had to, like, literally pack up some of my things in the the thing that sucks is like it's in front of some of your teammates. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like I kind of just got my stuff and <laughs> I did it on the low, even though some people saw me. Yeah. You know, so it's like some people knew what the situation was, some people didn't. But um, yeah, that's that's how it kind of happened. You know, I ended up. Just packing up some of my stuff. I literally just unpacked, then I packed up. Yeah. You know, yeah. So same day. So it was it was tough. Um, and the thing that was really tough about it is because I was getting so many calls from teams that try to sign me. Um, but I couldn't sign because I was hurt. Yeah. Um, that day that that was a tough situation. But then the second time when I got cut that was when I realized, <clears throat> you know, it's a lot of politics in this game. And that's, that's when I realized, like, I got the wake-up call. Like, they, and I got cut from Indianapolis, you know, after, you know, being told over and over that I'm going to make the team. And, you know, after, like, my my second game, you know, the coach was like, yeah, man, like, I think you're really going to make this roster. You know, you outperformed everybody in the small amount of time that you were here, you know? And then, um, 
So they came out with the rosters, and then I got cut the day after they made they came out with the roster. When they came out with the roster, I was on the roster. Yeah. And then they cut me the next day. So, like, that was crazy because they cut me after everybody's roster spot was filled. So what they typically do is they cut you, and then they cut you before rosters fill so that you can possibly get on another team. Yeah. They cut me after. So it was kind of, it was just a lose-lose. And that's when I just was like, man, I kind of wanted to, I I ended up getting scooped up again. But then from there, after getting released again from the, you know, 49ers and that whole situation with the 49ers that year was just a whole mess. So I kind of was just, I was a little bit over it. When was the moment that you that you realized you know it's time for me to retire and just and go do something else? So what ended up happening? The situation. This is what happened with the 49ers while I was there. That kind of made me rethink on a couple of things. But um, so I got released um, on game day. I never forget that. I got released on game day. Like is that to, is that unusual? It's. It's unusual, but they they sometimes it happens sometimes. Huh. Wow, I've never heard of that. Yeah, luckily I still got paid for the game, <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was that was good. But um, like what ended up happening, I got released on game day. We traveled to Green Bay, um, got released on that day, and then couldn't go to the game, but had to fly back with them. It's ridiculous. Oh wow. Um. Yeah, so I literally had to stay in the hotel while the game was going on. But um, then flew back with them. Then, like, you know, other times when they try to when they activated me, right, I would practice. I wouldn't practice at all during game week. Like, they wouldn't have me go with the ones, tools, anything. So I barely knew any of the plays, but they would just throw me into the game. Yeah. You know, so that was just, it was just a whole mess. You know, and they just they just did that. It just was terrible. Put me in a kind of worse position. I was kind of over it. Then um, after I got released from them, and what year was it? I mean, the 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 um during OTAs. Once I got released from them, you know, I try. You know, I was thinking I was gonna you know try out for more teams. Another opportunity was gonna come about. I tried out with Tennessee, and then. They just didn't pick me up. I was surprised because the other guys I tried out, none of them had any stats. Like none of them had any kind of sacks. None of them had, you know, none of them, none of them did anything like in preseason, like of last year or anything like. None of them had film like that. Right. You know, so yeah that that threw me off but they didn't they didn't pick me up they said that because you had injuries and everything like that and, and like most of the time when i signed with a team i signed an injury waiver for my knee yeah but they just didn't you know bring that up and yeah kind of was just from there on i was just like man like how like if i'm i don't know if i'm gonna sign an injury waiver what's the issue right Right, you know, and you think that you're a player that's that's not too costly because you're undrafted, you're on veteran minimum, so you're cheap. You yeah. know, yeah. But but at the same time, being that you're cheap, they don't have much invested in you, so you're disposable. Yeah. So, yeah. So wow. it's it's a lot. When you look back on your NFL career, is is that is it does it bring bring up good memories? Is it is it you know, is it some, is there bitterness? What's the, what's the, I guess, prevailing emotion when you think back on your, your NFL career? I'll be honest. Like I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. Um, I'll be honest with you that the league has put me in, you know, some good positions financially. It's put me in some good position positions as far as um, notoriety and helps me like move a certain way and, you know, society that definitely helps with some situations like that. So I, you know, I'm thankful for that. Um, 
it it definitely helped me to become a stronger person. <laughs> the amount of times I got released, I mean, yeah. that's basically getting fired from a job. So, right, right. I mean, that definitely helped me to get tough skin. Um, I would say it, I, I kind of am a little bit bitter about it, you know, like the way like my career went um, as far as like how they went about certain things, like me being released. Like, I mean, it, it, it kind of was a lot, you know, like when I was when I was in Tampa, I barely got any play time to really show what I can do or to even learn, you know, um, everything was golden when I was in Carolina. But I feel like, you know, injuries definitely play, like, played a huge part of my career. So, you know, you can't, like, there's some things you really can't control. You know, you can, you can do all that preventative exercises you can, rehab, prehab, all of that. You know, you can't control everything. So you just, you got to just move with the bullets, you know? Yeah, no doubt. So do you watch NFL football today? Yeah, I still watch NFL football. Like, I mean, I got so many, you know, players that I played with, friends that I talked to here and there, you know, yeah, that I check up on every now and then. So, of course, I got I got to watch the game, and you know, yeah, you know, I have to watch the game. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah, not, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not that bitter. Like, I'm not salty. <laughs> yeah, as yeah. far as how how everything went, you know. Um. I want to talk now about about coaches. This is a, a, a podcast geared towards coaches, so I want to talk about coaches and, and specifically coaches who had a significant impact on you, both as a person and a player during your time as a football player. Who, who are some of those guys? I would say my um, my coach at Towson, um, Coach Gus. Like this dude, like he 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 always got me hyped. You know. Yeah. He always got me hyped, but not only that, he was just very, I wouldn't say militant, but he always stressed how important it was to make sure your grades and everything was good, your social life was good, you know, you were happy. You know, I still call him to this day. You know, we kind of got that relationship, you know, like he just, you know, he just tries to make sure that your, your mind, body, and soul is all right, everything is fine. And, you know, I kind of, I'll be honest with you, I kind of, I didn't really take it for granted. But while I was in the league, you know, I kind of wish I'd reach out to him a little bit more when things was going, wasn't going as good, you know? Right, right. Yeah, but, like, he, he definitely was somebody that was a, a, very, a very prominent figure in my career. And, you know, he helped me out a lot and and everything like that, you know. Yeah. He helped me out a good portion. I would say my D line coach with the with the Panthers, I mean, he was I just liked the fact that he was like technically sound and I mean I I became a really good football player from him. I'll be honest with you. Like he he polished my game on a whole nother level. The, the primary audience of, of this podcast is made up of, of mostly high school coaches. So if you could give high school coaches some advice or even words of encouragement, what would that be? Um, like I understand, I mean, high school coaches have to be patient. I definitely understand that just because you're dealing with kids and everything like that. But a lot of it comes like as far as like creating some of the best players, and everything like that, it re- a lot of it comes from, like, you know, like how much the players really want it, you know, like wanting to win, wanting to be the best player. Um, I'll be honest, man, it's so hard to give a coach advice on, like, different things. I mean, like, from my standpoint, like, I, I, it's, it's nothing for me to give advice on, like, different drills and stuff like that to do, but how to coach, I'll be honest with you, that that's, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, I'll ask you this. What were some of you t- you mentioned drills? What were some of your your favorite uh, drills that you liked doing as a, as a defensive lineman? So some of my favorite drills to do. Um, I love doing the hoop drill. It got my bending on point. Um, that was huge for me. Um, I love hitting the bags, <clears throat> like flipping my hips on the bags. Uh-huh. You know, then doing the club the club 
club rip drills, flipping your hips on them. Um, that was that that polished my game to a whole nother level. Um, a lot of hand fighting drills. Like it's crazy because all these drills that I'm talking about, I was still doing them in the league, but I was doing them like I like like for example, like in my apartment complex when I was at my old apartment complex, I had a I had a punching bag. I was doing my drills on a punching bag. Yeah, you know, hand movements and everything like that. Um, striking the bag, like working on run and everything like that. That's something that was very prominent in what we did in high school. And we took that same that same drill to college, you know. And the thing about it is not like everything that everybody's doing in high school, you know, everybody's doing something similar in college. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not too far. You know, it, it may just be a little bit perfected, polished, whatever it may be, because you got some, you know, people that have been around the game for a while. But it, it, it's it's about the same. Yeah, yeah, you're you're exactly right, and, and it's good to hear you mention some of those drills because I know again there'll be a lot of high school coaches and college coaches hearing that and and shaking their head because uh, those are some those are some staple pass rush drills that I know that a lot of coaches are using. Um, okay, you have you know just in in listening to your story, you could you you have. Uh, uh, you know, earned what's equivalent of a, of, a, of a doctorate degree in overcoming adversity. Uh, so if you were talking to someone right now, we have a lot of people in our country dealing with you know, adversity in, in one form or the other. What would you tell them is, is just the key to overcoming that adversity, to, to um, basically staying positive and, and just coming out the other side as a better person? Um, I would say know your why. Like, why you really want this. You know, like what you like, know what you're really trying to accomplish. Because um, I'll be honest with you, like um, in the situation when I was transferring from UMass to Towson, that was probably the, one of the toughest transitions um, I could literally, literally go through. Um, I had a coach, you know, he came in cleaning the house, literally trying to find every reason to get me off the team, like calling me out my name every day like i mean being disrespected on a high level but like just knowing for me i had to literally just not try to say anything back because at the end of the day my main goal was to transfer somewhere where i can play and to accomplish my dream of literally being the best player i could be i knew if i was to say anything back that whole opportunity was going to be gone but like my i just envisioned that goal so much like I envisioned it so much that I felt like there's no way it couldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I just it just it just was in my head so much and I was just the thing is when something's in your head so much you're gonna naturally do what's needed to get there naturally. Like, you know what I'm saying? You just like, you know, it's it's just like somebody wanting to graduate from college and probably go to the best college they, they can go to. Right, they just see it so much in in their head that they start naturally, you know, studying more. They start naturally, you know, putting putting in more work into their homework or whatever it is. You know, you just start naturally doing it because that's your goal. That's what you envision. No doubt, I think you nailed it uh, nailed it on the head there when you said, you know, know your why. And and I think when we sometimes we get discouraged and we we. It's because we, for, we 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 temporarily or momentarily forget that why you know why we got in this thing in the first place you know why we started playing this sport or why we got into this relationship or why we took this job in the first place and I think when we go back and rediscover that why then it, then it reinvigorates us and keeps us kind of on focus on track and and refocused uh, to complete yeah. our task and get through that that adversity. Yeah, you just you just got to know that it's not going to be easy, man. Like you literally just have to know it's not going to be easy at all, man. It's it's so much stuff that's is going to get in the way. So many things. Like I remember, for example, when I was trying to return back to um, the league after my ACL injury. I mean, just random stuff was happening. Like it was it was ridiculous, you know. Like I had I had my first tryout with. Um, I believe it was Tampa when I was coming back, and then all of a sudden they said they said something about my knee. It was just like, yeah, like you know, your knee had too much damage, and also you have a heart murmur. 
I was like, heart murmur. Like, I just played last year with this heart murmur. Like, there was nothing, you know? And then I tried out for Philly, and that sucked because they ended up going to the Super Bowl. But besides that, um, I tried out with, with Philly. It was 2018. I think it was 2017, sorry. And um, they felt like, you know, because I had a heart murmur, it was a huge issue, and they didn't take me either. So we're just like, all these things started coming up and I could have easily just been like, you know, I could have been done. Yeah. I could have just been like, forget it, you know, but <laughs> what I ended up doing was went to the doctor, got a test to show that, you know, my heart wasn't in the worst condition that they made it seem like, um, changed my diet because they said that my blood pressure was high too. Changed my whole diet. Um, Added more veggies, everything like yeah, that. My yeah. blood, my blood, my blood pressure went down. But it was just all a part of me seeing the vision of me coming back to a team. You know, like I had to do all the small stuff to get to where I had to get to. I couldn't really just hit, you know, see the downer and sleep with the downer. You know, I had to wake up and make changes. You know. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And I think that's that's exactly the right the right mindset to have. Is you know, instead of uh, feeling sorry for yourself and make yourself out to be a victim. You went and, and you, you made, you control what you can control and, and you fix what you can fix on your end. And then obviously you can't control what, you know, what other teams think and, and what those, you know, the front office people say, but uh, that's, that's great stuff. Well, uh, Ryan, I, I really appreciate you talking with us today. And I want to close out today with some rapid fire questions. I, I don't, I don't mean to intimidate you, but this is probably going to be the most intense thing that you've done since you strapped it up on Sunday afternoon. So just, uh, just get ready. You, you ready for that? Yeah, no problem. No problem, ready. <laughs> you seem like a guy that doesn't get that, that doesn't get too, uh, you know, flustered. So um, I didn't think you'd have a problem with that. All right, here we yeah, go. I'm gonna I'm gonna fine. give you a couple words, and you tell me your your you tell me your your preference uh, of the two words. Got it? Got it. Okay. When you're rushing a quarterback, when you're when you are, uh, you know, maybe you're going in a game week, and, and you have a quarterback that you're going to be attacking. Would you rather be facing a mobile quarterback or a pocket quarterback? Pocket. Where would you rather play a game, indoors or outdoor game? Outdoor. Would you rather play in the heat or the cold? Heat. Gosh, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, I, I do the heat. I'd rather the heat. Day game or night game? Night game. Grass field or turf? Grass. All right, your pregame routine. Uh, did you listen to music or no music? music well what was that just curious what was on your playlist there future okay all right all right uh now this one could maybe get you in a little bit of trouble but i'm gonna ask it anyway what what uh what state do you prefer to live in connecticut or texas texas all right awesome you're currently in texas right now houston area we should have mentioned that okay now this here's another one that 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 i want your your hot take on okay who will throw more touchdowns in 2020 Cam Newton or Jameis Winston? Cam. I, th I think he's going to be in a good situation to get picked up. I mean, there's a lot of teams out there that, you know, need veteran quarterbacks, and and uh, so I, I think he'll definitely get picked up as and probably a starter too. And that's the thing that's going to hurt Jameis is being behind being behind Breeze. But I think that's a good situation for him also. Okay, here's your last question. All right, it's it's third and long, late in the game. Uh, you you put your hand down to get ready to pass rush. Ball snapped. It's a pass. What are you doing? Are you rushing outside or are you spinning inside? Double chop or are you spinning inside? Outside. Okay. All right. Well, Ryan, uh, again, it was just an absolute pleasure to talk with you and had a lot of fun. And, and I know that a lot of people are going to benefit from hearing your story and just all the, the ways that you overcame the adversity and, and just the the attitude that you had and that you carried with you and the positivity that you, that you continue to have. And uh, really just appreciate you taking some time to talk with us today. Yeah, most definitely, man. If you want me to come back on, I'm I'm free, I'm open. So I like I like you know helping out the community. If there's you know other athletes, younger athletes, I don't mind, man. So just let me know. I appreciate it, Ryan. Thank you. Thanks once again to Ryan for coming on and talking with us today. I loved what he said there at the end about knowing your why, and I think that's something we all can afford to do right now is revisit or perhaps maybe discover for the first time our why when it comes to life as a whole, 
uh, our careers, our relationships, uh, because without that identified, you know, it's, I think it's really tough to develop that grit and determination necessary to be successful in anything that, that you do. So once again, really loved what Ryan shared with us today, and I'm so thankful we got to talk. You can follow Ryan on Instagram, which is where he's the most active in his social media life. Uh, I put his handle down uh, in the show notes of today's episode, so you can find it. Also in today's show notes is a highlight video from Ryan's days at Towson. It's definitely worth a watch. I mean, the dude could bend that edge, man, and play down the line of scrimmage for sure. So that's definitely worth your time. So check that out as well. And you can find that once again in the show notes of today's episode. Please be sure to follow our show on Twitter at KYPD Podcast. And please leave us a review and five-star rating if you're liking what you're hearing on the show. Both of those do a lot to increase the visibility of this podcast and help other coaches find us. Our quote of the day comes from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 21. And this, is, this was the verse quoted by Coach Tony Dungy at the conclusion of his remarks regarding the tragedy in Minneapolis this week. And, and it is, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And that will do it for this episode of KYPD. Be sure to tune back in next week when we roll out an episode that will be the first of its kind here on our podcast. For the first time, we'll be adding video to our podcast and breaking down run fits out of the tight front with a really sharp defensive coordinator down here in the state of Texas. Uh, you get to peek behind the curtain a little bit and, and see you know, this podcast from a different perspective and get, you know, get some video along with the usual audio. So, so I'm really excited about that one. So be sure to subscribe now so you never miss an episode and check back with us uh, next Monday for episode 63. Until then, overcome evil with good this week. Own your 20 square feet. And of course, always remember, keep your pads down.